Welcome to the Elevating Voices in Leadership podcast, brought to you in partnership with Pepperdine University's Graduate School of Education. I am Dr. Gabriela Miramontes, and I will be your host. With me today are my co-hosts, uh, Dr. Maria Brame, Dr. Asia Ghazi, Dr. Sonia Sharifard, Ms. Wellen Schneider, and Reverend Charlotta Green. Um, we will be talking about, um, we're going to continue our conversation from last week around coaching and um, the benefits, but also today's focus is we're going to start veering into the um, challenges associated with coaching, some of the problems that, that our team has seen, um, and, and maybe how to you know, select a good coach or what are some of the tips and tricks around um, making sure that you have a really good partnership. Um, with that, I will hand it over to my colleague, Dr. Maria Brame, to get us started. Okay, yay, what fun. I'm so glad that we're ha continuing to have this conversation because I think it's, um, it's so important in all of us with our different types of coaching backgrounds that we have. We have different experiences and different training, different combinations of training, um, can also share some very different issues that pop up. Um, and um, I'll introduce this segment by just saying sometimes I think um, problems have can relate to expectations that um, clients may have of coaching. Um, and maybe they feel like they need to be fixed. They do not, that there's something wrong with them, which is um, sort of quite the opposite of the perspective that coaches have. Um, in other words, there's nothing wrong. You're absolutely where you should be. And we can help you see, sort of untangle the way that you're looking at your situation and choose different thoughts um, and help you create strategy. So I'm going to um, invite um, Dr. Asia Ghazi to begin the conversation about challenges with coaching in her experience, um, and then we'll, um, we'll do a round of this. So Dr. Ghazi, why don't you tell us about something that comes to mind for you regarding clients' perceptions, expectations, and um, how to sort of circumnavigate that and yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to coaching, um, a few things that I've seen personally, um, number one, it's, am I creating the right coaching relationship with this client? Because that's something that I know um, that we can see that could be a challenge. Because if you're coaching somebody, for example, um, and, and coaching is definitely a very, very rewarding experience. But sometimes you might be coaching somebody that you might think, oh, they're uncoachable. They're not someone I can really coach. Um, and then maybe there's some kind of conflict or, or something that comes in the way. So one of the things that I've, I've seen is that, you know, if you're seeing that you're, the person you're coaching is not coachable, they're uncoachable, and you want to kind of give up on them, you have to inner, you have to look and see, well, first, did I actually create that? trust did I establish trust and respect between each other because you know if if you don't have that trusting relationship or you're not you know as a coach you're not asking the right questions or you're not really being a good listener you know that other person's going to hear they're going to feel that 
um, and vice versa. I mean, if they're not willing to listen, they're, you know, they're doing coaching with you, but you're, you know, they're not really seeing changes and then they're kind of putting it on you. You have to understand how to address those issues. Um, luckily, I hadn't had an issue like that, but I know several people who did. And one of the things that they told me was I had to go back and reestablish a relationship with them and really find out what was that issue or those issues that they wanted to work on with me in a way that would be helpful towards them. Because again, like if you are working with somebody and they're, maybe they're not ready. Maybe they need to have something else before they come to coaching. So you, you need to evaluate that. And a lot of times I see, especially coaches that don't go through the process of, um, you know, the, the 60 hours that we have to take, right? You know, we have to get certified. We have to do these 60 hour courses. And we see a lot of coaches coming up saying, oh, I'm a coach. Um, I actually had a really good friend uh, back in the day uh, she was like, I want to be a business coach. She took no formal coaching training, even though I told her, I said, join, you know, these, this coaching uh, school, they're going to teach you the ways to do it. These are the books we were going to, we were going to read. She didn't do it. She literally just said, I'm going to be a mom coach and a business coach. And I'm going to teach moms how to run their own businesses. But the interesting thing is she never had her own business other than selling Mary Kay. And I'm not sure if network marketing is really considered a pure, your own, I mean, it is considered a business, of course, but is it really your own products or services? I mean, that's a whole other ballgame we can get into in another podcast, but she was just selling Mary Kay products and she didn't really, and she was working in a full-time job. So she didn't really understand the ins and outs of an actual business, you know, how to create a business plan, how to, you know, um, bring things together. And so she started like creating these, you know, workshops and courses but the thing was, nobody went to her because she did not establish that trust with people and she didn't make herself look like she she had the credibility to coach them. And, and we see a lot of this. She's just one of the many, many people that we see that have credibility issues because they don't go through the formal process of learning how to ask the right questions, learning the active, reflective listening, learning how to create trust and, and, and build, um, you know, a, a solid relationship with your clients. They're not They're not really learning those fundamentals that we have to learn. And so when you see a lot of people saying we're business coaches and then they're charging 10 to $15,000 for their programs and it's not really coaching at all. And I actually experienced this once where I did, um, I actually was in a coaching program with a, with a coach and uh, I literally had to pay my life savings for this. It was like a $10,000 program. It was a lot, I literally paid life, but I thought she was going to help me with learning how to build, you know, how to do list building and, and, you know, creating summits and things like that. Cause I wanted to learn how to build my business and she's a business coach or that's what she said she was. But when I got into her program and she was doing these group coaching calls, it was a constant like barrage of, well, you guys aren't following the plan. You guys aren't doing this. This has to be, ha this has to happen this way. And after like a few months of just kind of hearing that and not really getting, you know, the results that we were looking for, I just have to say, okay, I can't do this. Get me out of the contract. I'm done because, you know, you're teaching us things that felt more salesy to me than they did in here. We're going to, as coaches, we're going to build these relationships with other people. It was never about building a relationship. It was like, well, just talk to them and see how much they can spend on your coaching. So there's a lot of these things that we're seeing. These are challenges for those of us that are legitimate coaches that have the certification or that, you know, we have the background, we fall, we're following the ICF standards, uh, International Coaching Federation, for those of you who don't know what ICF stands for. And so when you're trying to do, do work in that way and, and you're following those regulations 
And yet coaching is not very, is not a regulated industry. Even with the ICF coaching is not a regulated industry like psychology is like, you know, so we're going to run into a lot of these issues and challenges where you're going to meet people that say that they're coaches, but they don't know what a coach is supposed to do. They're not here to try to fix something. A lot of these coaches think that they're fixing your problem by showing you how to do something. Well, then you're doing consulting and not coaching. So, and I want to know um, what, you know, maybe uh, Charletta and Suellen, what you both think about this as well, and what you've encountered um, in your own um, journey as coaches, because I know that myself, I've encountered many of these things. And it, it just kind of, it, it, it also kind of makes me question, how can we regulate our coaching industry? How can we create regulation so that we're actually protecting real legitimate coaches that are, you know, that have taken the courses that are, you know, that have taken the certifications that are really genuinely wanting to help people find ways to solve problems. And, uh, you know, they're not the ones who are doing the heavy lifting, but that you're both, you know, you and your coachee, you're both working together to help them find solutions to their problems. So I'm going to hand it off to Charletta because I can see it looks like you looks like you want to say something. So. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I agree with you. I've had those similar experiences where people are just striving to scale their business and make lots of money. Um, and, you know, I didn't, I mean, you know, coaching, you can make a lot of money, but that's not the goal, right? The goal is to make sure that you are walking alongside your client, giving them value, but also helping them to get to their goals. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that oftentimes you run into is um, people do see coaching as a means of you fixing them. And it's like, no, nah, that's, that's not what I'm here to do. Or if something comes up that they're uncomfortable with and you, you give them the option of either, you know, saying more about it and digging deeper or not saying more about it and moving to something else because that's always the option um there's a space where folks get a little upset because again there's there's this thought process that somehow coaching is like therapy or like other you know client-based relationships um where i need to get value for my money so tell me what i need to do <laughs> um and so you have to really be careful about navigating um, that and that's where that coaching contract comes in so so much at the beginning of your coaching uh, time and it's not just the written contract but it's the verbal contract right it's it's that space of where do you want to focus today and how will we know that we've uh, you know arrived at the destination that you want to get to and keep checking in right so did, where are where are you now where are we um, and so it's that constant space. So it is really about building relationships. And I think a number of the things that we get and we see right now is all about using coaching as an entrepreneurial space to scale and make money and not really to build relationships that are going to foster um, the ability for the client, um, you know, to, to be their best selves. Um, not with us telling them what to do, but with us helping them to discover what's already in them. Um, and so it's that constant navigation back and forth. Um, and I think we always have to put in the forefront as coaches, um, 
really what a coach is, right? I'm, I'm here to support you. You know, if, if you're a sports fan, if you watch basketball, I'm a basketball junkie, right? <laughs> so so the, the goal of the coach is I can't help you once you're on the court. My job is to, to, to help you get the skill that you need while we're practicing, right? Um, and then it is to, to cheer you on, encourage you, to remind you. Um, uh, so, so that you don't forget what you, you've been working toward, right? Um, and so if we remember that that's part of the relationship is to support, um, to help you discover, um, you don't fall into those categories of, you know, being a pariah that's seeking to make money. Um, at the expense of people who are really vulnerable, right? And, you know, even those coaching programs where you, I've done one of those, I see you $5,000 later, I'm like, what did I get, <laughs> right? Right, um, exactly. And, and it is how then do we bring integrity to something that's really important, right? Um, how do we support um, vetting uh, and a vetting process outside of ICF, right? Um, in order for us to not, I mean, you know, even with vetting, you there's always going to be um, a few unsavory people. I'm gonna be nice because it's a podcast um, that slide through. <laughs> um, but when there's a process that a vetting, it really does help to navigate. The other thing that is problematic that I've also seen. Um, and then, you know, Sue Ellen, you can probably speak to this a little bit, is when you run into a coach, um, so you don't have to know about someone's industry or any of those things in order to walk alongside them, but you do have to, to listen and pay attention to and not be invested in your outcome, but be invested in their outcome. And I've, I've seen some coaches that um, culturally, you know, business-wise, industry-wise, are really invested in a particular outcome. Um, and that's often problematic for people who then know that coaching is good, but this might not be the right fit for them, right? This person may not be the right fit. And so like with anything else, you know, you try your shoes on. If you, They may look good, but they might not feel good, <laughs> right? Um, that doesn't mean you purchase them. You keep trying on shoes until you find the right fit. Um, the same thing with doctors and therapists. Um, you keep trying until you find the one, the number one hears you, respects you, and is seeking your best and will work with you in order to get to your outcome. The same thing with coaching. Yeah, I I totally agree with it, what you said, Charletta. Um, I was uh, listening to you both, and I agree with your, uh, what you brought as a challenge, uh, starting by what uh, Dr. Brummy said about expectations. I think that is the first step and the first uh, challenge, because when you set the expectations very, very you know, clear, um, it's, it's easier to conduct the process of, coach, uh, of coaching. Uh, I was trying to, to, to kind of separate the two challenges in my mind, why you were saying, because uh, Dr. Asia brought a challenge of the industry, and then we have the challenge of the process itself. So um, 
I have I might have a, a little bit different perspective than yours because I I don't do coaching in the U.S. I do coaching in Brazil, <laughs> so it's not a regulated industry as well. Uh, we have a good and bad professionals, etc., as we have here. And what I've perceived since I started to do this kind of work is that. Uh, the bad ones, at least there, the bad ones, they start to decrease their clients or they uh, attract clients that we don't want. They are clients that have the same style, profile, etc. that maybe it's not very, you know, ethical or something like that. But, you know, we have some people that prefer to, uh, you know, go into a certain line. So, um what I believe and what I've been I've been seeing during this uh, couple of years doing that kind of jobs, uh, job specifically in coaching, uh, is that the ones who who do a good job, they have more and more clients through the uh, what we we know here uh, as the word of mouth. So one client suggests recommend your work to the other, and then all of a sudden you have a uh, several um, clients, etc., requesting your job because they know you are professional, you are ethical, you follow a methodology, etc. Uh, and this is a feedback that I heard from very experienced coaches there in Brazil with over 20 years experience uh, coaching executives there in, in Brazil. So uh, this is I'm not saying that is right or wrong. I'm just saying that this is uh, um, something that I believe and I, I I try to do my best to be one of those that people recommend <laughs> instead of being in the wrong um, pathway. Um, regarding the process itself, what I see is uh, once you overcome the expect, um, when once you you align the uh, the the, the what what each part expects from the process uh when you you start the process uh what i already lived is some um kind of issues regarding to for example coaching is not a therapy but sometimes you tackle some critical uh, points in a person's uh, behavior that is connected to their past uh, for example, I um, um, some time ago I was doing this this job with a leader. Uh, he was leading a team of uh, nine people, and even though he was a very high performer, he was very uh, aggressive to the point of being impolite. <laughs> So the company wanted him to, you know, try to figure out and change the behavior, etc. And we figure out that he had some past issues. So as a coach, what do I do when I face this kind of situation? Of course, there are some tools that we can use. Uh, for example, Dr. Brummy brought to the last session uh, about understanding how the brain works. And then we can apply some techniques to lower the aggressiveness, uh, to increase the awareness, and then decrease this uh, impact of impulsiveness and aggressiveness. 
in this specific case, it was possible to work with him, but there are some cases uh, that I heard from colleagues that they could not, they had to, you know, redirect the, the client to a professional that is able to do that. This happens, for example, when the trauma is connected to some sort of uh, a very um, hard abuse or something like that. So this is something very challenging. And sometimes you just cannot figure out what is going on when you do the, the, the initial interview. The second thing that happens uh, not very often, I had this situation once, but this is another uh, issue that is the client being uh, willing to uh, really open. This is a process that requires openness from the coach and from the coachee. And sometimes, uh, especially when you are doing this kind of job that I do, that sometimes I'm hired from the company to coach a group of leaders, mentor a group of leaders. So what happens is sometimes there are some people that are more willing to open and there are others that are not uh, willing to uh, to open themselves. Um, in this case, what um, the challenge is to 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 get to the point in which they they can trust you and they start to open. But of course, the development will be uh, uh, much uh, we will not be as fast as the others who trust you from the beginning, etc. And to try to avoid that, what I do is this uh, agreement of uh, trust, etc., right in the beginning, and um, try to kind of educate them about this trust relationship. And most important, uh, coaching sessions are sessions in which we will discuss a lot of things um, and we can apply a lot of tools, but we are not in the, uh, we are not with them on a daily basis. So they have to put in action what we train during our sessions. So this is another challenge for uh, this kind of people when they don't, they are not open to, um, to tell really what is going on uh, when they are hiding something, then it's very hard to uh, work on the root cause of it. And it's not, again, it's not as Dr. Bramley said before, it's not about fixing people, but much more about helping them to figure out what is going on and then provide them with the tools that can help them with the specific situations. I think that's my two cents for the challenges in the process. You know, thank you so much, um, Suellen and um, Charletta and um, Dr. Ghazi. It's it's so it's so fascinating how how di the the profound similarity, but also some of the different aspects that. Um, each of us get to be involved in. And one thing that I found really interesting listening to you, Sue Ellen, especially is um, in my um, position, I work directly with individuals and their specific goals. And so, um, and just as, as Charlotta was saying, um, you know, I am, as a coach, I am all about their goals. It has nothing to do with me. It's about their goals and helping them overcome whatever 
like, like we were saying, showing them their brain and seeing how they get in their own way very simply. Um, but it's a very different kind of coaching to be assigned to coach somebody within an organization. I find that really fascinating. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that because that that's, that's a very different situation and the perspective of your, your direct client there um, is, is, is very different from they're sort of being assigned some goals and maybe they're, they're, those are their goals to begin with, but they're sort of obscured because of their, some other things that are going on. So that's, that is really interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I um, had a colleague, I'm going to talk about a colleague who especially was frustrated by, um, by a client who um, really wanted, she had a, um, a limitation related to, um, to flying, to getting in an airplane and being a passenger on a plane. And she um, kept pushing this fix me, fix me, I, I want to be fixed sort of thing. Um, which is really interesting, and that that's sort of where the um, the consultation comes in. Sort of again, the expectations. And I I spoke with her about it. We had kind of a meeting among some colleague coaches and talked about how so those expectations are sort of not appropriate. And that's um, one thing that I love to be open to. Also, is is um, you know whatever it takes for you to achieve your goals, I will do what I can to, to help you. However, if there's therapy needed and so forth, that is, that's another aspect and that is not my job. My job is to show your, your brain and how your brain is working and what, what, um, how you're getting in your own way and, and, and that sort of thing. So um, um, I, I find that really, fascinating that again and and so what we've been talking about kind of in chat and behind the scenes is really how we have a desire as colleagues in coaching to have some kind of standards that will ensure that we um that that our industry will be respected and um and um that to prevent folks from just sort of putting up a sign and saying yes i am here I am, I'm a coach, because there's nothing to prevent that now. And of course, there's in a lot of industries, you can sort of do that, but there are regulations. And so, yeah, so, um, so that's definitely um, something that is would be really exciting to work towards. Um, so I wonder at this point, in terms of challenges and expectations, have any of you run into um, time expectations in terms of achieving a goal within a certain time and regulating when such and such will happen and managing the expectations. So personally, I am, when I work with a, a client, um, I work with, I sort of make sure that our relationship is such that I am a hundred percent completely confident that they can achieve their goals, no doubt whatsoever. Now, the time to getting there is a different story and that varies from client to client. So we wanna be really open with them and um, 
outlining sort of what the possibilities are. And yes, your whole life can change with one single thought. However, you need to also do certain types of work and, and practice and come back and um, show your authentic self. And that's you know part of our responsibility is to get to their authentic self, but nevertheless. Um, I am curious to hear from my colleagues what your thoughts are about the time component um, in terms of our clients achieving their results and and how you've managed that. And especially some some you know success stories, because I know you've got some. So that's always so fun to hear about. So Dr. Ghazi. So you're gonna have to repeat that question one more time because my brain saw a squirrel and went that way. <laughs> So, you know, my day has been squirrel filled. So I am so with you there, 100%. So, in terms of just your thoughts about establishing expectations for clients in terms of time of achieving a goal, um, yeah, you know, what, whatever it may or may not be, and are they unrealistic? Are they realistic? And, and so forth. Yeah, that's, that's a good question. A lot of times when people come for coaching, um, they're kind of, they initially they're like, well, I want to get something quick. I need fast results, you know, or I'm trying to get a job in six weeks. Do you think you can help me prepare for that? For example, let's say, and my, my, my question to them is what are you seeing yourself doing in the next year? Because you might say that you want something done in a few weeks, but if we are realistic, it's not going to happen in, in just a few weeks. It might take three or four months. It might take six months. And maybe it could even take up to a year, depending on how quick you are in picking up the things that you're going to be doing, or if you're really gung-ho about your goals. Because a lot of times what I find with clients is that they're really like fired up to want to reach a goal, but then like at the same time, they're not really kind of thinking of smart goals, I guess the way to say it that way. Like they're not thinking about is this something that I can achieve in a specific time frame? You know, so for example, um, you know, in health coaching, and you know, I've, I have a life coaching background and a health coaching background as well um, in that. And so um, in health coaching, I had a client who was like, well, I, you know, I want to lose, you know, 50 pounds in the next three or four months. And I'm just like, okay. I'm not going to say it's not going to be completely doable because people have lost that kind of weight in about maybe three or four months. However, if we're realistic, it might take you six months to lose that weight or maybe seven or eight months, you know, because if your body's losing maybe about a pound or two a week, if you're doing things correctly, then you're going to end up, you know, maybe losing about eight, seven to eight pounds a month. Sometimes you might only lose five pounds a month. It depends on how you are, right? And so I would have to explain, okay, for example, you might not lose that much weight this week. You might lose maybe three or four, four pounds in this month only because you're going through a lot of stress or they decided that they, you know, couldn't stop eating sugar. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's a lot of reasons, right? So in, in health coaching, definitely, you know, if someone is coming to me and they're like, we want to set a time frame. I'm like, no. We can't set a time frame of it to happen quickly, but we can set a more realistic time frame of let's say six to eight months. But we need to do check-ins at least twice a month or once, however you want it to be, once a week or twice a month. I want to know, like initially, I want to ask you what you're eating and and how does that pattern look like to you? 
And if you are noticing in your own, like when you're writing a food journal, for example, you notice those specific issues and you come to me and you give it to me, you're like, I, this is my food journal. I can be like, okay, well, how does it feel? How would it feel to you if you were to stop eating, um, you know, a Mars chocolate bar every Friday and substitute it with like an unreal bar? <laughs> You know what I mean? And they're going to resist it and they're probably not going to want to do it right away. And they're probably going to be like, no, no, no. You know, what about if I had a half a Mars bar? No, you can't have the whole thing. But what would it look like? And so when you're asking these questions and they're trying to negotiate, again, I'm not here to fix you and I'm not here to give you advice. I want to know how it's going to, how, what you think about it and what would you do? And if they're like, okay, well, maybe I can slowly cut it out by taking, instead of eating a whole Mars bar, let me eat like a third of it. And then eventually I'll, you know, I'll, you know, cut it down more and more and eat like maybe one bite. And and at some point, maybe by the end of the month, you'll notice that you won't even want it anymore because you're seeing results, right? And that's just an example of health coaching. But then in life coaching, it's it's, it's very different. And there's career coaching. There's so many different types of coaching out there. But each and every one of them, there's a specific time frame. And I've always told clients, stick to what's realistic. I, if we're jumping through hoops, and if you're like, for example, you're trying to find a job and you, you're expecting to get a job in a month, here's the realistic part of it. Yes, we can work on, on your interview skills. I can ask you questions to make you think about how you're going to approach specific situations, but you cannot, you're not going to be able to find something right away. It might take me, it might take you two or three months. How does that look like for you if that were the case? So you have to really ask them questions that kind of make them think about their future and make them look at things more and more for, further out in advance rather than just a month out in advance. And that's just something that I've picked up from the clients that I've worked with in the past. Of course, I haven't done coaching now in, in, in quite a while and definitely not health coaching because I, I decided in my own my mind, I said, until I lose the weight and get myself to a point where I feel comfortable being able to help somebody with their weight loss, you know, then I'll get back into health coaching. But for now, I'm not going to do something where, you know, I'm still working on myself, right? Um, So the health coaching was kind of like, you know, done and out of there. But as far as life coaching and, you know, other, you know, types of coaching I've done, that's always the thing. What's the time frame? And usually like once you kind of ask them questions and they start to go, oh, you know, hmm. Like now that I think about it, yeah, you're right. Realistically, I might have to go through several different interviews before I get this position and it might take two months. Or yeah, you know, realistically, I'm not gonna be able to a- accomplish this goal until six months from now. And so when they kind of start seeing that reality hit them, then they're more prone to, okay, well, give let me figure out what these tools are gonna be to work on to help meet those goals that I have. So the time frame is always important. I mean, some people, it just depends. If they have a specific issue or a problem, let's say with somebody or a manager, that could be like four or five sessions or less and they're done. They might not need that much. And some of them are going to need six months of coaching. If they're, especially if they're doing business coaching or career coaching, you know, or something or life coaching along the lines of maybe improving, you know, their environment or improving the way that they live their life, those things are going to take longer. And so we have to put those expectations there for them from the very beginning so that they don't feel, you know, that they're being misled into something that's unrealistic, right? And that, us as coaches, we want to do that. I want to bring up something though. 
and I know that this is a something we didn't talk about, but liability insurance. So um, when I became a hypnotherapist, that's when I learned about liability insurance and I had to start paying for it every year because should you help somebody and that person comes back to you and say, hey, you know what? I want my money back. You didn't help me at all. Even though you did everything, but maybe sometimes people can be a little resistant to change. And obviously in my industry, resistance means that change is happening. That's why the person's being resistant. Although I'm not necessarily too sure how that works. To me, if someone is being resistant, they're being resistant, but until they can open up their eyes and see, oh, okay, okay, wait a minute. You know, I need to do this for my own self, then that resistance will start to go away and then they'll start to work towards accomplishing those goals. But if you have a client that's coming to you and saying, you didn't help me out, I didn't do this, you know, whatever they, and this is probably why some people now have this thing where they're saying, listen, if you did coaching with us three or four sessions and you didn't like it, show us the work that you did towards what you were trying to achieve. And if the work you did didn't help you and we see that, we'll give you your money back. Otherwise, we're not going to give you your money back just because you didn't like something. You have to show that proof, right? Um, but but that happens sometimes where you might have a client that's not going to be happy with you or happy with your services, or they're going to feel like, you know, something happened inadvertently and they're going to put the blame on you. So if you have liability insurance, it will protect you should somebody decide to sue you for anything that happens your liability insurance will come in into play and will pay for you um, for whatever issues might happen and, and if that does happen. But I wanted to put that out there because a lot of people don't realize whatever you're gonna, whatever work you're gonna do, get liability insurance. It doesn't matter if you're a business coach, a life coach, a health coach, a hypnotherapist, even a trainer, you, you know, whatever you're doing, get, uh, get liability insurance for yourself up to a million dollars to protect you and your assets should something like that ever happen which I have never really seen it happen much, but they want you to be careful. And so I say that because when we go back and talk about clients and their expectations and they don't feel that their expectations were met, we, you want to protect yourself and your assets. Um, but yeah, I, I've had a lot of success stories though with, co with the people that I've coached in the past. And, you know, I've seen, you know, like six months down the line, they're calling me, they're texting me, they're messaging me saying, you know what? you know, your coaching helped me out. It made a difference in my life. I was able to see certain things that were going on from a different perspective. And sometimes that's what the clients need. It's just a different perspective that you could provide to them and say, well, you know, maybe this might be because of this. What do you think about that? Oh, and then you can ask more questions, right? You, you want to be careful with leading questions, of course. You don't ask too many leading questions. But if you are able to provide something or help them to see things from a different perspective through asking good questions, I think it's going to be beneficial for those, um, you know, for those clients. And so I, I, I have definitely had success stories in that regards. I've had a lot of people tell me, yeah, you, you help us see things differently. You've, you've helped us to understand things and, and why they're happening in my life and what I need to do to change them. I've had a lot of people tell me that. And it, this just makes me happy to know that I'm able to inspire people and I'm able to help them out as a coach. And, you know, so even, even though I'm not coaching now, but I still use the tools in my everyday life with people I meet, with my friends, you know, and, and you know, I kind of do, I guess, like implied coaching because they don't know I'm coaching them when I'm asking them questions. But it's just, you know, I'm curious. I want to know why. Well, what's going on? You know, why? Why are you so upset with your husband? You know, what do you think could be the, the situation? Or can you give me a different perspective of this? And I think these tools help me to help people to kind of see different things. So I know was, that was a long-winded answer, but. <laughs> yeah, um, when you're talking about liability insurance, um, I just want to kind of 
extend that piece of the conversation. It's also important to have a good solid contract that you use at the beginning of your coaching um, relationship and, and that you're clear about what it is that you provide and what it is that you don't provide um, and, and make sure that it's signed. Um, because that's also something um, to use to kind of cover, um, you know, other question marks around what's going on or what's not going on or what the expectations are so that you have something clearly in writing um, that is binding, uh, that covers you and covers your client. Um, I think um, the other thing, Dr. Brame, when you're talking about timeframes, so if, you know, and Sue Ellen can speak to this a little bit more, if you're working for a corporation, they said that, they set those timelines for you. Um, if you're working with them and you're taking their dollar, they'll tell you, like, you got six months to, to, to work with these folks. Um, and um, I know that when I have worked with clergy, um, you know, we're, we're given a timeline that they would like to see certain things um, accomplished. You know, we want to we want to we want to get here in six months because we know we're we're going to be at the end of the, the fiscal year. We have to show something for it. So, um, so I think um, it's a both and it's not an either or. I think you you can work individually with folks in setting realistic timelines. I think there always has to be a timeline in order for people to feel like they've accomplished something. You know, they they have a place to look back where they've been and then look where they are. Um, it depends on how often you coach with somebody. Are you are you coaching once a month? Are you coaching bi-weekly? So it just depends on how um, how often you contact, you're in contact, what that coaching session looks like. Um, and so I think anytime you're you're working with somebody, it's always really helpful to set goals. Um, I try not to make any type of promises about anything. <laughs> um, coaching is like working with kids. Your kid may get there faster than someone else's kid. <laughs> and so you, you never want to say, I can get you here in six weeks when, you know, you they may not invest in the same way as another client in six weeks. So what you do is you say, um, what's a realistic timeline based on what you want to do? And then I think it's also okay for coaches to say, um, I'm not sure that gives you enough space um, for life to happen, changes to happen, and for the importance of being able to pivot or shift in your own world, right? Um, and so you always want to make sure that you, you ask them for some input, but then that you help them broaden that um, so that you have realistic timeframes and realistic goals. Um, and that these goals are not etched in stone, that they may be revisited based on what comes up in these, these coaching sessions. So it's always really listening to what the client has going on, where you see the changes or where you see the resistance or where you see the spaces where what we've been focusing on may not be the thing that you really needed to focus on. It may have been what brought you here, but it may not be the thing that, that you need really to get the help with. And you may find that out in each coach, you know, in the coaching sessions. So it's being flexible enough to hear um, beyond what people are saying um, and, and to not be so rigid that you can't change direction if that needs to happen in order for there to be a broader time space. 
or a shorter time. It just depends on. So I'm gonna kick this over to Sue Ellen. Thank you, Shaletta. <laughs> I'll bring again my perspective from the business industry and let I will I will start with talking about the expect uh, the expectations that you asked me about, Dr. Grammy, and then about the time frame. So yeah, you're right. I work with the expectations of the companies and then with the expectations of the people that I'm coaching and uh, I'm doing the work. So this is something challenging, but what I use as my technique, I have this conversation with the uh, the, the the board leader or the CEO or the director, it depends on the company's structure. And I um, I have this combination to set what is it that I can do and what is it that I cannot do. And I don't do, I don't promise anything about time or something like that. I put into their disposal all the techniques, the tools that I have so far. So uh, my knowledge to conduct the um, a lot of you know uh, sessions etc but also techniques such as some from the positive psychology with a grow roadmap uh, time management um, uh, values assessment uh, the disk analysis uh, and I use only the managerial disk analysis because I, I work with leaders so I have all this pull off um, tools at their disposal so they know that they can count on me on that and what we start always is doing this assessment then I have a kind of small training workshop with everyone together in which I build this synergy and we agree what is going to happen. They are going to do the assessment. We are going to have this first session. We are going to analyze their profile uh, uh, with the company pur uh, purposes and we will assess what is it that they believe they want to develop so they can reach this level of leadership that they desire. With that, we come up with a simple plan, nothing complex, maximum three main points, three main points. Usually I have like nine months uh, contract uh, to 10 month contract with those guys. And we set those um, uh, specific goals. And of course, they set the time. And what I do at this moment is, okay, we both have this work together, but I really believe in allyship. So in every action, who is the person who will help you to accomplish this in this organization? So those things are very important. Um, of course, time is something that, you know, drives me, but I don't put it as the first one. And why is that? Because I believe that people are made of different ingredients. I compare them like the uh, is the starters that you do at home. If you use the whole wet, it will have a, a, an index of increase. And if you use like a, a more powerful protein gluten floor, uh, your bread will, uh, you know, raise much faster. So they are made of uh, different ingredients, and so we are. Sometimes we have a more, uh, we more difficult to, to understand, assimilate, and put in practice something. And other times we can 
put things very fast in practice. So this is what I what I try to you know balance during our sessions. And I always manage expectations because I do constant follow up with the plan. And I do follow up with the leader in charge, not to say specific about the session because they are uh, confidential, but just to align expect, uh, expectations in both sides. So in my case, I have to add this initial thing, uh, training, etc. I have a specific plans and I have this uh, kind of follow ups to understand. But what I can tell you some successful stories about plans. Um, there is a group of uh, leaders that I'm work I'm working with them. I have the country for the whole year, and we established those set of goals to be developed during this year, and we finish all of them, all of them, and we started new set of goals in the uh, um, mid of year revision, so we can empower them more. And we started to work in another level, not only them, but now my focus with them is to uh, them to become leaders and coaches for their own team. So we are, what we are working now is developing and uh, you know building high performance team. So they are all in another level and that makes me feel very proud. Another example that I'm sure you will love this one. <laughs> I have a set amount of time that I, I, I use for coach in my pri private practice, so I charge for this work, but I have an amount of hours that I dedicate for nonprofit organizations, including mentorship, coaching, and I am also director in one of those nonprofits. So what I, I had this, um, this coachee last year from the organization that I, were, I was talking uh, to Dr. Uh, Gabby a couple of, uh, the last week about the, the, the training, et cetera. But the point is this, this, this young woman, she is from a uh, huge Janeiro, from a, a, a poor community, uh, a vulnerable community, and she's in, she is an English teacher. Um, she is a young black woman, and she when when we started the conversation, what she, she was very stressed, working a lot, trying to make money in Brazil during the COVID, uh, a very difficult situation, and she, her dream was to leave Brazil uh, and uh, you know have some time abroad, try to you know live in Europe or Canada in other country in which she could be able to make money and a good life different from Brazil. And you know that the developing country, there are a lot of people, they, they dream about leaving the country so they can make a better life. Um, and then I, I, uh, she told me that she wanted to be prepared to, to do that in about one year because she needed to plan financially, prepare you know, her skills. She thought she needed to uh, have additional course. She was even considering changing her profession. And I said, okay, let's set this kind of goals. And we started to work together. Last week, last week, no, last month, uh, on July 16th, she wrote me. And she said that because we finished our session, she was uh, she was with uh, an official offer to go to Ireland 
work and live there. And she was with her ticket bought. And uh, she wrote me um, that she is there for three months. And it's like a whole life, a whole different life. She is so happy. She had a session of feedback and she remember and put into practice everything that we trained during our session. And she said, quotes, it was wonderful. One of the most constructive feedback sessions of my life. So for me, this is an example of, you know, it's not about time. She went there much earlier than she expected much earlier she was prepared she was putting some barriers and barriers in in front of her such as i needed to learn another profession because who is going to hire a, an english professor in ireland that is from brazil you know or something like that uh if i if i receive a critic during a feedback session I needed to justify why I, I, you know, I committed that mistake or something like that. And she was, you know, she was not taking the advantage of the feedback session to improve and to show uh, her um, her goals in her lives to expose them the, herself. So this kind of thing really makes difference. And we as coach, we know that we have the rehearsal piece that we can train with them and help them to figure out what is going on that is good and what could be improved from an outsider perspective, right? And also sometimes we play the devil's advocate uh, for helping them in those situations as well. So um, this, I think, uh, answered the question about time. Time is just a variable you have. You can't lose sight of it. But the most important is to, to help them to reinforce they are capable and working on their own pace to accomplish. That is <laughs> such a beautiful... Um, essay, so to speak. <laughs> that, and congratulations. That's oh, beautiful. That's um, beautiful. And that's all. And the, you know what is the most beautiful part of it? It's all her work. I didn't do anything. I just, you know, help her to analyze the situation from an outsider perspective. Of course, we are trained. We have the tools to ask questions or to teach them how to use some specific tools in their lives. Because when we apply, for example, roadmap, we not only apply the roadmap, we uh, show what is it, how it works, how they can apply it in the future. When we teach, uh, when we discuss about uh, how can you ask more better questions, because this is one part that we can use as a tool, we, we we kind of do this work of a, a kind of a, a teacher sometimes. Not, a, not exactly that we say to them what to do, but we show the two, we uh, explain how it works and we put it, it into the, their disposal. Because it's not my purpose that they depend on me to do that. It's my purpose for them to have this new set of two and take the, it with them. like what she, she did with the feedback session. So this is not fixing her. It's showing her that there is other ways in which she can approach a situation that can bring her more 
uh, effective results, increase her performance, etc., etc., etc. Yeah, and I, I love, I love that you said all that because I think that's sort of the heart of a true coach is that you show them, you show them their brain, you show them some techniques, you show them some options, you show them different ways of thinking. And in the end, you are thrilled to the core that they are a success. And then you show them how it's all about them becoming a success and not about you helping them get there, even though you did. That's why it's such a win-win-win situation because we get to help clients help themselves. And there's, there's such a depth of strength there because it, it creates this sort of an ending resource for them of how they then can continue to help themselves and, and become sort of unneedy of, of assistance. Now, that's not to say that, you know, I'll have a coach as long as I live <laughs> and I love it, but um, it's such a beautiful thing because you help people really understand their own strengths and their own resilience and all that they can do for themselves. And it's such, uh, so I love that. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. Um, I would love to ask our, our silent partners here to see if there's anything that you would like to contribute at this point, Dr. Sharifi Fard, who has been listening patiently. Do you have any observations or experiences that you want to share? Uh, just thank you, Dr. Brahma and all of you. It's just so nice to and refreshing to hear a different perspective from myself that who is an academic and who has taught publishing and leadership courses. You always want to help the student be a better version of themselves. And whether they go into teaching or academia or consulting, wherever they choose to go, you want to make sure that whatever you taught them in the class will live on with them forever. Um, and so it's always a great perspective for me to see what I can take from my colleagues in coaching and apply that to the classroom. So I really appreciate you and your service. Thank you so much. That's, that's beautiful. Um, we're almost at the end of time. I'm wondering if anybody has any last words or that they'd love to share. Um, or Dr. Gabby, maybe you'd like to step in and so for me it's I, i'm with dr sharifi fard on this just listening to how you all approach coaching um i'm in the process of going through some behavioral analysis training but mm -hmm. for me it's training right i'm 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 not a i'm not a coach i'm i'm not a coach i'm a trainer i am a professional development person um coming from the training and development area um, I see swollen laughing because, you know, I, I'm just like, I say this a lot. I'm like Harry Potter. Um, I'm not a wizard. I'm just Gabby. Um, but I do see a lot of similarities uh, in, in the work we do in the work. But I also think it has a lot to do with who the person is, right? I think that my approach to training and development is always about growing the whole person. Um, but I'm very opinionated. So if you ask me an opinion, I'm like going to cross all kinds of borders and boundaries and stuff. So that's why I'm not a coach. That's why I do training and development. Um, 
and leadership development and resiliency training and all this other fun stuff. But it's fascinating to hear the different types of coaching that you all engage in, how you approach it and what your outcomes are. Because even within those of you in the room, it's very different. How you approach it is very different. Um, and your boundaries are different as well, which is fascinating. Um, so so thank you all for sharing. Um, I've been quietly in the background. Usually I'm the one that can't shut up, right? But in this case, I was just listening and just taking it all in. Um, of course, you know, wondering how we can kind of leverage some of this knowledge and because that's that's my superpower, how to make more work for everybody. Um, but also how to how how to showcase your I know I have everyone laughing. For those of you that that are only listening to us because this is only a, a, an auditory podcast, um, there's always a lot of laughing and shaking of heads that goes on in the background. But um, yeah, I, I think that it's a fascinating it's a fascinating field because it's not regulated for one. So I did hear. Um, and it takes so much of the human dynamic into account that I, I can't imagine any single coaching experience to be like any other, right? Even, even within client to client, forget coach to coach, but client to client within a single coaching um, portfolio, I can't imagine being very similar. So um, I'm sure we can talk at length about this topic. There's so many things we didn't cover, but thank you all for the little bit that, that we were able to cover in these two sessions. Um, we will actually be taking a break here for the next few weeks and we will circle back in September. Um, but unless everybody else has anything to add, I can go ahead and close our session now. So with that, thank you all for your contribution. Um, to our listeners, thank you for joining us. If you've enjoyed today's session, please remember to click on the subscribe button. Have a wonderful weekend and we'll see you all next time.